Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. International News Review. So happy to have a wonderful guest with us in the studio, Juni Lau, Director of Asia of the World Association of News Publishers. Good morning, Juni. Good morning, Glenn. How are you today? Good. Okay. It's the last weekend of uh, 2019. It certainly is, and we've got some great topics to talk with you about. And Juni, there is a lot happening around the world. And first, let's start at home, close to home, very close to home, right here in the Straits Times. And this past week, uh, or week and a half ago, the uh, ST announced that there was going to be a Samsung tablet promotion uh, to get people to um, to take up the newspaper, and then also to uh, you know to to have their content delivered right to them on the tablet. They don't have to go into any apps or anything. Everything was preloaded. Is this the way of the future for newspapers to try to get engagement with, with people, with readers, customers? Something that there's been a big uh, disruption in the way uh, the newspaper mm. business has been run. And, uh, of course, we're seeing uh, it, it, this sort of disruptions happening across you know, all industries. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the news media industry being a very public-facing industry has not been spared either. So, you know, we're, we're of course, seeing the rise of digital, uh, and rightly so, because, you know, consumers like, like us, like ourselves, like you, um, listeners, viewers, readers out there are also uh, demanding uh, digital products. So something like this is, is really pretty much uh, in line with if what uh, the consumers are expecting as well from their news. Yeah, the you know this idea of getting content for free, of course, has gone the way of the dinosaur. Most everybody is in some way looking at a pay for content model. Very few, in fact, if you look at the major newspapers, the New York Times or the uh, Washington Post and some of those other online publications, they are all, you know, asking for payment in some way. A notable exception, of course, is the South China Morning Post in this part of the world. And of course, the free version of the ST, you pay for premium only. When you look across Asia for uh, with the World Association of News Publishers, does it seem like this is really going to be the way that we go forward, we're all going to have to pay for our content at some point in time? Well, certainly if you look at any industry, um, you know, if you look at consumer products, for example, no industry gives away their product for free for 20 over years. Mm. And that's what really we've been doing as a news industry. I think with the uh, the rise of the, the internet, it was you know uncharted territory. News organizations at that time in the 90s were really testing the waters. They gave away news for free. And I think as, as consumers, we came to sort of expect that. It became a habit to just say, oh, we'll look up the news We'll see it on a website. It's free. Yeah. But again, you know, there has to be a way to make money. And the, and the business of uh, news has been so severely disrupted because if, if you remember in the old days, number one, um, everybody bought a newspaper without thinking twice. People would go you know, on their way to the office. They would just pass a newsstand, pick up a paper. They would subscribe. I think in Singapore, we have very loyal uh, subscribers mm. who subscribe to their daily papers, uh, whatever your title may be. And of course, advertising was very strong. Print advertising in particular yeah. was very strong. Uh, but of course, we see a change in the in the the landscape now. People are going more into digital. Mm. Uh, print still remains surprisingly strong. Uh, if you look at our global figures, uh, we we run a World Press Trends uh, survey every year, uh, surveying uh, global media, and uh, we get all this data from the industry news industry associations in various countries. And you'll find that still print revenues account for about eighty six percent of newspapers' overall revenue globally. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Still huh? it, it is slipping. Uh, yeah. Of course, as you would expect, um, but it's not slipping as massively as one would think. But still, it is it is going down. At the same time, uh, digital subscriptions are also rising. But because they are rising from a rather low base, they are rising by by much larger figures, like maybe five to seven percent. But uh, 
or even from, some of from where digits. it started, right? But yes, it's yeah. a much lower base than print. So you know, again, uh, there is a long way to go. In the past year, actually, our, our data shows that paying news audiences rose by zero point five percent to six hundred and forty million a day in hmm. twenty eighteen. It sounds like a lot, but there's actually a lot more room to grow if you think about uh, that against the backdrop of um, you know newspapers. Yeah, in the studio with me is Junie Lau. If that voice sounds familiar, it's because she has been a news editor, a journalist, and a journalism edu- journalism educator for over twenty years here in Singapore, in addition to being the vice president of the Singapore Press Club, is the director for Asia for the World Association of News Publishers. And Junie, you and I have been uh, at many conferences together in, in recent years, some that have been sponsored by Wan Ifra, your organization, and, and other organizations. And there is constant need or interest in the panels on disruption, right? The big D word. And what that means to traditional, not only newspapers, but broadcasters as well. I know you deal mostly with the publishing world. And do you feel like the publishing world is is finally getting a handle on what's actually happening and what the steps are that they can take to future-proof or to meet the future demands of, of their readers, of their viewers? Definitely, you'll see a diversification of business models in the news uh, media industry. Yeah. Uh, the traditional reliance on uh, circulation and uh, advertising will always be there, but of course, it will take up a smaller percentage of the revenues. Mm. They are going. You'll see uh, news publishers going into, for example, uh, sponsored content, which is very popular with um, with brands and corporates. Uh, you'll see um, publishers also exploring various business models. For example, there is a, a Malay language publisher in Malaysia that has teamed up with a TV station to convert their magazine, 15 magazine titles, into television programs. Wow. So we see a lot of interesting, innovative ways of creating uh, new business and revenue streams. Uh, you'll see maybe, perhaps uh, affiliate marketing, you know, tying up with uh, new businesses. The uh, Samsung Tablet Partnership with the Straits Times, for example, that wasn't actually the first time there was a, such a partnership. There was a partnership with Lianha Jiabao as well. Hmm. Hmm. That broke, netted 11,000 subscribers for Lianha Jiabao. And then there was another promotion with Berita Harian as well. That netted another 1,000 or so subscribers from Berita Harian, which is pretty good. So it's successful at a certain level. I mean, it's going to bring some people in. Uh, Certainly. I think it also... acknowledges that consumers these days are looking at more digital, uh, have more digital habits. Uh, they're also looking at perhaps saving the environment as well. So, you know, again, you're doing away with paper and then uh, you're going into an e-paper, tablet version. Those sort of trends are very encouraging. And the queues, my goodness, what really, really struck me <laughs> were the queues that were forming uh, to collect the tablet. They were not to buy a tablet. They, were to, you know, they already were secured with a tablet. Is it about the gadget or is it about the news? <laughs> perhaps a bit of both. Maybe a bit of both, right? Yeah. That's Especially when we see uh, the queue for the Huawei phones that the, that ran out, right? The, Kissing first left the gadgets, obviously. <laughs> yeah, so many months ago. This idea of building community around content, around publishing, and Gary Liu, the the publisher of the of the uh, South China Morning Post, has has spoken very eloquently about this in the past um, at past conferences. And this is one way that they feel that they are able to really bring in a lot of dedicated readers is to not just push the news out, but to bring stories together and, and content together that brings people together in a certain area, a certain around a certain topic, that sort of thing. Is that a mega trend that you might be seeing across publishing in that publishers now have to figure out how to engage people more closely to their content. That's right. The, the big buzzword here is audience engagement. This mm. really is the year, I think, of, of audience engagement. It's it's something that's become uh, even a, a very specialized uh, role within news organizations. We see head of you know new roles like 
head of audience engagement. You will see uh, different forms of uh, reader revenue arising as well. For example, membership model. That was probably sort of first popularized by, by The Guardian. You know, said, no, um, we're not asking you to buy a subscription, but we're asking you to buy a membership and welcome to the club. You know, mm. and membership comes with, of course, various benefits, uh, as, as we know from you know, other situations where clubs uh, you know, sure. offer perks and benefits. You may get free movie tickets, you might get giveaways, you might get priority invitations, you might get to visit the newsroom, for example. So news organizations are, are thinking of expanding and ways of expanding there rather than just selling a digital subscription. Let's engage our audiences and our readers and our listeners, our viewers, bring them over, uh, talk with them, hold talks, uh, and you'll see that more of that sort of thing. Live events, uh, for example, we, we, there's even a term for it. It's called live journalism. Hmm. Meet your editor, meet your journalist, meet your favorite that's writer. Useful. Yeah, that's yeah. useful. With Juni Lau, who is the director for Asia for the World Association of News Publishers, of course, an educator and journalist here in Singapore for uh, over 20 years. But Juni, doesn't that sort of in, in one way miss the point? I mean, the point is supposed to be about the journalism. And if it takes the gimmicks to get people to subscribe or to become part of the club, you know, part of the tribe, are we missing, are we missing something with what we're doing with the actual journalism? Because shouldn't the journalism be able to do that? Shouldn't the journalism bring people in? Well, in the old days, as journalists ourselves, we used to say our stories would speak for themselves. Yeah. And we don't need to do all this prom- promotion and this marketing. People would come to us. Uh, if you build it, they will come. That's no longer the case, as, as you very well know, um, as everyone know, well knows, actually. Um, everyone is uh, competing for attention these days. Mm. You know, brands own their, cha- their own channels. They're able to uh, you know, put out messages as well. There are so many entertainment offerings these are competing for, for everyone's attention. So we need to, of course, do something, um, of course, to, to keep and retain audience uh, attention and engagement. So these are very, you will see various ways uh, of trying to engage audiences and, and to get them interested, whether it's uh, new platforms, it's new uh, surfaces like, like the Samsung tablet. Mm. Uh, well, you know, we can only try. And of course, we hope the journalism is so important to, to a functioning society. Yeah. Readers, viewers, listeners need to be kept informed. News is of value and, and we need to put forth that message that, you know, in order to strengthen society, be an educated and informed society, we need to have reliable sources of news and not just, you know, take the news that you know, we just found randomly or someone sent us without verification. Mm. We can go into this whole, you know, argument about uh, or whole discussion about uh, fake news or, you know, we, we don't like the term fake news, by the way. We prefer to use the terms uh, misinformation and disinformation. Yeah. But quality news costs money. It, it costs, it takes a lot of resources. It always has, together. right? It always has. Exactly. And you're paying mm. for at least uh, facts. You're paying for real news. You're paying for quality and credibility as well. Let's close off the segment. Uh, this week we had two, one anniversary and one current event that were related to natural phenomena. So the first one was the, the, the tragic 15th anniversary of the Asian tsunami that happened on Boxing Day 15 years ago. And the second was the, uh, the total eclipse that we were able to see here in Singapore and Indonesia and other parts of the world. And journalism was covering these both of these events very, very closely. And is that when journalism can sort of shine, be at its best, to do some of those retrospective pieces about the, the depth of, of the destruction and the, and the loss of life and the pain, but also the rebuilding. But then also the modern day stories that come out, like 
the eclipse and everyone going out to, to try to take part in this once-in-a-lifetime event for many people. I think this is probably the most photographed eclipse. <laughs> yeah, certainly in Singapore it was. Exactly. Yeah, and you know, I was there, I looked up, thanks to the cloud cover, and I wasn't expecting to catch the, the eclipse at all, actually, yeah. because you know, I didn't have the equipment and, and so on. But when I, you know, the clouds were, were there, and I'm like, wow, okay. I actually I caught sight of it through the clouds, and it was a great <laughs> event. But I think the eclipse, uh, for all the excitement that it caused, and then people were you know, literally crossing roads looking up at the sky, and I was mm. like holding my breath. <laughs> How many accidents are we going to have? I know, so but it kind of eclipsed the 15th anniversary of the Asian tsunami. And I must mm. say, I was on duty that morning, that fateful morning when it happened. I had woken up, I was working uh, in a TV station at that time, and you know, it was, uh, I was in the 5 a.m. shift. I came in, prepared the news. Uh, TV news bulletin that day and then at around nine, just after nine o'clock, the, the first wires that are coming in saying, mm. quick, in Sumatra, houses collapsed, buildings collapsed. And uh, we thought, oh, okay, well, we'll just keep monitoring. And and the, the magnitude of the quake was relatively low at that point in time. Yeah. And then after that, it just spread. We, we were getting wire reports in Aceh. There was a big wave in Aceh. So, oh, oh dear. Okay, Aceh. So that went on our radar. And then suddenly it was like Phuket. And it was like, Oh no, it's holiday season. There must be, you know, thousands of tourists uh, into Phuket. And then Kaulak, Pipi Island, Myanmar just unfolded the news. Sri Lanka, you know, flashing Mm. across our screens. We were, and look, it's the holiday, you know, we are just used to to doing Christmas stories, running stories of fireworks and how the world celebrated Christmas overnight. And and these wires were coming of such devastation. We activated our correspondents across the region. A lot of them were on leave. We had to remember this is the day of no WhatsApp. It's 20. Yeah. <laughs> it was 15 years ago. There was no WhatsApp. Uh, we were, we had to use text. We couldn't call. We tried calling and, uh, you know, some of our folks were on leave. They were in hilltops on mountains and, you know, on vacation. All over the place. Right? Uh, we we yeah. swung into action. We activated our um, correspondents, you know, as soon as we could get them on the phone. We um, called our stringers. There were wires going of Myanmar, Bangladesh, big waves, India, Penang. I, I have relatives in Penang. You know, that was, wow. It was hitting very close to home. Mm. And then, of course, the, the whole scale of the devastation, 220 over 1,000 killed, that scale. And seven years later, I, I was teaching in a, in a university here, and, and um, I had the chance to bring my students uh, to Banan Camp, which mm. was mm. one of the worst hit places in Asia. Mm. And to be able to you know see the traces of the devastation, to talk to people who had lived through the tsunami, who had been orphaned by the tsunami, uh, I thought that was you know, that was just life-changing for us, yeah. For, yeah. for me and my students. Yeah, This is I think one of the times, of course, you can get glimpses of this from a citizen journalist, right? Somebody who has got their iPhone or their, you know, their their Samsung Galaxy phone out there. You can get glimpses, but it, it really takes professional journalism and journalists to get the story, put it in perspective, give you different sides of the story. There's never just two sides of any story, multiple sides, multiple angles. And then always the follow-up, you know, the reasons, the whys, and, and, and what's the result. And I think, you know, the World Association of News Publishers, for whom you're the director for Asia, is one of those organizations that's really, really pushing for these solid standards, solid reporting, uh, and, and great content for people. I think that's really important. Yes. In, in March, we'll be convening about 200 over uh, news industry leaders across APEC. Yeah. You're invited, Glenn. Well, thank you. And, and your listeners too. Please yeah. come. Uh, it's in March at the JW Marriott, South Beach. Oh, so just here so, in town? Yes, in Singapore. Where so, can they get more information on that? We've got our website. So, you know, they can look at uh, uh-huh. org uh, and just look for the Asian Media Leaders Summit. It's uh-huh. happening in Singapore in March 11 to 12, 2020. Fantastic. Junie Lau, Director for Asia for the World Association of News Publishers. 
journalist, educator, vice president of the Singapore Press Club. Thank you so much for being with us this morning on Weekend Mornings. Thank you, Glenn. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.